0: Now, here are the details of some of this week's programmes on radio and television. On Saturday, BBC Television brings you the logical sequel to The Flying Swan. It's called The Dead Duck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> on Tuesday night, old-time dancing comes from the new over-70s discotheque, the Whiskey-Ar-Go-Go, or Do the Best You Can.
2: <laughs> and finally, at midnight, it's And So To Bed with Edmundo Ross and
3: his <laughs>
0: for those of you who are more easily pleased, here's 30 minutes of rudely wrought (laughs) claptrap as we take you round the hall. (laughs) The story so far, handsome, mustachioed Colonel Betty Marsden (laughs) of the first Rajputan foot and mouth (laughs) sat idly kicking his native bearer, old Ram Singh, Played by Sikh Bill Pertwee with a Sikhly grin. <laughs> Suddenly the door burst open and there, framed in the doorway, stood his lovely Titian-haired daughter, played by lovely Harry Titian Hugh <laughs> Father, she cried, someone has stolen the eye of the little yellow idol, played by a little yellow bone idol, Kenneth Williams.
3: <laughs>
0: with a jewel in his navel. At that moment, the hoary lantern-jawed face of the high priest appeared at the window. He screeched out a foul Hindu curse, which loses a little in the translation, but roughly means... My name's Kenneth Hall.
4: (laughs) That was Douglas Smith, spinster of this parish. (laughs) Now... The answers to last week's quiz. Question one, complete these song titles. Well, the answer to question A, give me the, was, of course, The Moonlights, and not the Screaming Habdabs, is <laughs> wrote. Question B, Button Up Your. Well, of course, it was Overcoats, and I will definitely not accept any other suggestions. Finally, the third song title was All the Nice Girls Love A. Well, I won't weary you with the replies I got. <laughs> but they'd make Sir Cyril Black's hair stand on end. And I wish they'd do the same to mine. The answer, the answer to what all the nice girls love is, of course, a sailor, and not a saga maker's bottom knocker. <laughs> Apart from anything else, it doesn't rhyme, does it? All the nice girls love us, makers bottom logger. <laughs> so you see, Mr. J.G. of Rotherhithe, I'm not just victimising you. Now, once again, we have with us in the studio the self-appointed King of Peasemoldier, which, as you probably know, is railway sidings Hoxton and as far up Buttermold Street as the pub. Here he is, King... Uh...
2: Grant Fattock. Grant Fattock, Yes. Grandfather, ex-, ex ex king, a grandfather. Ex king. Yes, I have abdicated off the throne. You see, the voices did speak unto me. The voices, and they did say, "Grandfather, my child." They said, "My lamb." They said, "Arise now, lay down your orb and scepter, and abdicate off out of it." <laughs> And uh, while you're out, get the race in pink and see what won the 330. <laughs> so I did obey the voices, and now I'm plain ordinary dictator gruntfutter piece, Muldi. We are now a republic. Oh, I see. Yes. I see, I mean, so
4: you're a despot.
2: I don't go looking for it.
4: No. <laughs> Uh, tell me, dictator Gruntfather, uh, why have you taken the step?
2: Well they wouldn't give me my own nuclear deterrent. I asked nice enough. I went up the bus on the bus on the bus. I, I, I went up on the bus to Whitehall and I asked this man, sat on horse. I said, please could I have my own nuclear deterrent? I said, and he said, go and sling your hook out of it. <laughs> I even give his horse a knob of sugar. I nicked off the coffee stall after <laughs> he was still adamant. See, the British government won't recognise us, you see. The Arrow Wilson, he won't recognise me, is the trouble. The only one who recognises me is the man in your night, Chemist. He recognises me. <laughs> <laughs> He said, "He said, oh, it's you, King Grant Fattock, he said. <laughs> he said. I've had orders not to serve you with paraffin.
3: <laughs> he said,
2: ho, oh, I inquired, I- why, may I ask? <laughs> he says, cos you drink it. <laughs> I don't drink it. I, I just set fire to things with it. The parlour curtains and that class of thing. And I'm going to war with England. That's rather
4: drastic, isn't it? I've
2: tried reasoning with the... you Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: I've tried reasoning with the British government. But all to no avail. I even phoned up Barbara Castle and breathed Debbie down the phone. (laughs) I did. But they've all disregarded my overtures and now my patience is exhausted. And as soon as my brother-in-law, Field Marshal Monty Thrupp, gets out the nick, we shall march.
4: How many did you have in your army?
2: Well, all told, our combined strength, including the naval reserve and the carriers, as were all I have to convert, right, to, you know, to cool, like high. Like, uh, two. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, of course, my dog, Fido. He's a nasty brute. He is. is he? You can not yeah. yeah. my dog, have you? No, I haven't. No. i got no teeth, baby. he gets his gums into you and all yeah. about it, I'll give you a nasty suck. Yes? <laughs> We're all girding up our loins at this very moment. We're all girding up our loins, except in Fido. Poor old devil, he can hardly walk, let alone gird up his loins. <laughs> Nevertheless, beware, Great Britain. Peace Moldier is on the march! <laughs>
4: Well, you have been warned, people of Britain. I'm sure you're all as underwhelmed as I am by this appalling news.
0: Now, a story so startling, so revealing, so abysmally inept that only we dare tell it. The big one, the story that leaves off where the others begin. We proudly and furtively present Kenneth Horne, Special Agent.
4: On leave in Paris on half pay, or as the French call it, demi pension.
3: <laughs>
4: I sat at a table in the gay cafe in the Rue de la Danny listening to the cheerful screams. <laughs> Listening to the cheerful screams of the pedestrians as they were clubbed by passing gendarmes. <laughs> the garçon brought me a menu. I ran my eye down it as I picked my aperitif. Then the
0: waiter spoke. Please don't pick your pair of teeth here, sir. <laughs> the noise
4: is driving me crazy. What, uh, what would you like to drink, Mr. Orn? Well, I'll have my usual, Jacques, a vodka martini. And remember, the glass should be chilled to exactly 20 degrees Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. not centigrade. And as to the vermouth, it should be Cresta Gondolfo, which is produced in Lima, Peru, from an old Inca recipe. And if you, <laughs> and if you haven't got that, I'll have a milk stout. <laughs> Oui, monsieur. Oh, uh, monsieur, uh, someone just asked me to give you this message. He slipped me a piece of paper. On it were the cryptic words, Green Parakeet to Cuckoo Clock. Farmer's wife startled by travelling salesman. I looked it up in my code book, translated it read, Stop hanging it out, horn, get on with the plot, phone me at once. And it was signed simply, Brown Horrocks. There was no time to waste. I went to the nearest Douglas Smith and dialed the number.
0: Beep, beep, beep. Sorry, I'm engaged.
4: I pressed his button B and four pennies fell out of his I dialed again. Hello, Brown Horrocks. Horn here.
1: Ah, uh, Horn. The surety has asked for your help. Someone has stolen the Eiffel Tower.
4: There's nothing left but a hole in the ground. Good heavens, this could undermine the whole French economy. Precisely.
1: We can take the tourist trade. The souvenir shops are having to sell small gilt reproductions of a hole in the ground. <laughs> we want you to find the Eiffel Tower and find it quick.
4: I knew there was only one man capable of a crime of this magnitude. The fiendish, inscrutable Japanese mastermind, Dr. Chu-En Ginsberg. He had to be in Paris somewhere. I decided to try the sleazy left bank night spot that he owned, and quickly disguising myself with a shoulder length curly ginger wig, I set off for the club. As I strolled along the Bois de Boulogne with my independent hair, <laughs> I had a feeling I was being followed. I looked round, and there, standing behind me, was a menacing Apache. Suddenly, and without any warning, he made a lunge for me, and we sat and ate it on the grass.
3: <laughs>
4: Gossiping merrily and talking over old times, I thanked him and tipped him lavishly into the same. <laughs> Waving aside his grateful screams, I hurried on.
0: Bars of ragged music later, found Special Agent Horn in the bar of the Moulin d'Or.
4: A girl dressed in a slinky dress that slunk all the way up to her thigh pushed through the crowd towards me.
5: Hello, darling.
4: <clears throat> Have we met?
5: Yes, surely you remember. I am Edna Lamoco, daughter of Pepe Lamoco.
4: Have you got the Grisby? No, it's just a rash, I think. <laughs> Change of water, I imagine, yes. I've come to see the owner, Chu N. Ginsberg.
5: He is in the back room, meditating. He left instructions not to be disturbed. Would you care to... Uh, Would I care uh, to what? I don't know. The next line has been cut out by the producer.
4: (laughs) Well, whatever it was, let's try it.
5: Many times. Many, many (laughs) times. Smith!
0: Smith! Oh, dear, here I go again, always the bridesmaid. All right, four weeks later. Four weeks? Yes, and you'll need every moment of it. I saw the line that was cut. Oh.
4: (laughs) Remember to tip the writers, I think.
0: <laughs> Four weeks later in the opium den of and Ginsburg, behind the bar.
6: Come in! Ah, Horn! Ah, Chu. Bless you. You should take some you should take something for that. Would you care for a puff of pipe that brings exquisite visions of great beauty and deep dreams of peace and contentment and enchanting visions of exotic maidens?
4: The dreaded poppy? No,
6: old Dobson's curly cap. <laughs> Four and three an ounce. We'll summon lettuce blossom to fill pipe for you. Ah! The lovely almond-eyed geisha, lettuce blossom.
1: Yes, Gav, what's your pleasure? <laughs>
6: Whatever it is, you wouldn't complete it, mate.
1: <laughs> you hear that? It's gratitude, ain't it? Give him the best years of my life, and he treats me like a trollop.
3: Do <laughs> not be
6: petulant, my little puppy seed. Come, let us blossom. Let us be gay and merry. Okay. Sing us that traditional Japanese melody that tells story of samurai, warrior that returns from battle with dragon to house of honourable mother and beseeches her to join in the traditional dance expressing filial love after me. A one. A two.
1: And eat up my the table you must go. Hey, Quick, pass me the opium pie. Yes, all oh, well,
6: right, thank you very much. <laughs> let this yeah. yeah, we'll let you know. <laughs> now, Mr. Horn, why are you here?
4: I know your little game. It's
6: all a misunderstanding. I'm victim of police persecution. <laughs> Nearly climbed three outside girls' house to rescue me. <laughs> <people. laughs> Really, coincidence, girl was taking bath in window opposite. <laughs> yes, the binoculars can be easily explained. I've <laughs> just been to ask it.
3: <laughs>
6: explained to constable, but arrested. One false step in around you for the rest of your life. It's not fair. Only one honourable course left open. I must go to join my ancestors.
1: Harry Curie. No,
6: brother-in-law in partner. <laughs> but you have not heard the last of Dr. Chu N. Ginsburg, M.A. Failed. Goodbye.
4: And with that, he leapt onto the windowsill, and with a last dreadful cry... Ah! So! <laughs> he jumped into the seine and swam off. He was tried in his absence and found guilty, but insane. <laughs> The Eiffel Tower was never found. We believe that it was broken up into parts and smuggled out. In its place was put a life-sized cardboard cutout of General de Gaulle with his legs astride. (laughs) And so far, nobody's noticed the difference. So if anybody tries to sell you an enormous Meccano set, phone Whitehall 1212. And if that's engaged, phone Arthur Tramwicket at Ipswich 205027. He's got nothing to do with the case, but uh, he'd appreciate a call, as nobody ever phones him, and he's very lonely. <laughs> and now, here are four life-size cardboard cutouts of a vocal group who are going to sing a track from their new LP, Doing the Monkey with Ram Gopal, the Fraser Hayes Fall.
3: So was love, this eager heart of mine was singing,
1: lover where can you be? You came at
3: last, love had its day, that day is past, you've gone away,
0: this aching heart of
1: mine is singing, lover come back to me.
3: Lover, come back to me Lover, where can you be lover? Come back to me
0: And now, Trent. This is the
4: part of the show for the trendy people who are going places and are with it. And if you're going places without it, well, I hope you find some when you get there. (laughs) First, the theatre. The 30s revival continues. Latest to enter the field is a production of Present Encounter, starring Dame Celia Mole Strangler and ageing juvenile Binky Huckaback. Here is an excerpt.
5: Then, Charles.
1: Yes, Fiona.
5: I knew you would.
1: I knew you knew I would.
5: I know you know I knew you would. And yet I was uncertain. Heart quakingly, lip tremblingly, butterfly stomachly uncertain. And yet positive. And you, Charles?
1: I was positive too. Resolutely, doggedly, stiff upper lipidly, teeth grittedly positive. And yet somehow uncertain. Who <laughs> mind if I join you at a table? Should you? Should, should not. Mere words, Fiona. Who knows what one should do or knowing do it? Whether one should or know or should not not do it? Knowing whether one should or not. All I know is I must. <laughs>
5: Charles, mm. if it were only that simple.
3: <laughs>
5: it's, it's somehow wrong, irresponsibly, compromisingly wrong, for you to be seen at my table. Charles, Charles, darling. don't look at me like that. <laughs> Charles, Charles. You mustn't hold my hand in that way. Charles, you mustn't. Oh, Charles. You mustn't.
1: I must, Fiona. I must.
5: Oh, please, Charles. The other diners are watching us.
1: Then why did you call me was it just a caprice, uh, a whim, a vagary of fancy, a will of the wisp dinner, a mad, irrepressible moment of antic impulse? No, Charles, no,
5: no, no. You know why I called you.
1: Tell me. Tell me in heaven's name, Fiona, tell me. Put me out of this awful suspense.
5: <laughs> well... I have the brown winds are followed by the steak and chips waiter.
4: <laughs> oh, what a tide of ungovernable indifference that evokes, doesn't it? And now, again we have with us that of folk singers, rambling Sid Rumbo. <laughs> Now, hello, Mr. Rumpur, and Where have your wanderings taken you this week? Over hill, over
2: dale, through fields and byres, along the Watford By Pass. Oh, <laughs> uh, reach me down a doodle, oodle, oodle, day down chirrup, chirrup. I'm just being ethnic again. Mm, well, me dearie o, I've been a rummaging through my rucksack, and just under my second best pair of rucks, I found <laughs> I found a half forgotten old folk song. That is, I've forgotten half of it, but <laughs> I'll sing to you the rest. It's a Cornish lummock woggler's song, which <laughs> is sung in the village of Tin Padgett every lummock woggling time, which, of course, is the time of the vernal equinox after the pubs have shut. <laughs> the young men of Tin Padgett don their colorful lummock breeches and go woggling up the high street, knocking on doors, a singing. I am the merry lummock-woggler. I play thee a forfeit, O. Be your daughter coming out a-woggle picking. (laughs) To which the lady of the house traditionally replies, Sling your hook, O woggler man, or else I'll call the police, out."
4: (laughs) Yeah, sounds
2: fascinating. <laughs> and then the woggler men dance about woggling their lummocks and singing <laughs> this <right>. refrain. <laughs> oh, who will come a woggle in this fine night when the moon is shining bright, oh, for the lummocks be ripening on the russet bear when we're in for a fine, fine night, oh, with a riddle-o, oh, rattle-o, oh, hey oh, and a twiddle-patch, rash day oh. <laughs>
4: Well, thank you, rambling Sid Rumper. Thank you, me Rio. Yeah. I was reading in the paper the other day that a well-known starlet had acquired a pet alligator. Now, this seems to be the in thing these days—exotic pets—and well, you know me; I don't like to be left behind. So I popped into a rather unusual new pet shop that's opened in Chelsea. It was called Boner Pets.
3: <laughs>
1: Hello, shop. Anyone there? Hello, I'm Julian. This is my friend Sandy. (laughs) Uh,
2: Excuse us being all covered in hair, but we've just been stripping a (laughs) borsai.
1: Well (laughs) that is well, at least we thought it was the eye. When we stripped him we found it was just a hairy (laughs) whippy.
4: Well, I must say, it's unusual finding you working in a place like this. Oh, we're
2: just filling in. No way, we? we're filling in between commercials. Really? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. We just really done really one cool. commercial where Jewel was playing this big film director, wasn't you? Oh, yes. And I was supposed to be this big star. Yes. So, anyway, we've just finished making this million-dollar epic, and I have to say to him, where are you going for your holidays, Bermuda?
1: And I say, no, don't be daft. I'm going to holiday camp.
3: Mm, that's right.
1: Mm, I'm going up holiday
3: camp.
6: <laughs> 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 go. I'm going up
1: holiday camp. Get your own chalet, hot and cold. Babysitters laid on. There's simply loads of talent waiting to be discovered. And, and I you. say, Oh, Fabe!
2: And off we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then
1: off we troll to Skegness.
2: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> then we go. What can we do for you?
4: Well, actually, I'm looking for a pet. Oh.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, Doc. Of course, dogs are nice.
1: Dogs, yes. Don't you think they're nice, Jewel? Very, yes, we've got Dog. a plethora of dogs here. Plethora,
2: he's got.
1: <laughs> How'd you fancy a little chihuahua? <laughs> no, thank you.
4: no uh, I don't smoke. <laughs>
6: the Mexican airless.
2: Mexican airless? I thought that was very suitable for you. <laughs> oh, you have your poodle,
1: loza. Oh, a poodle. That's a noble beast, don't you? Noble, yes. Noble, isn't it? No. You can have them, uh, what, you can have them any colour you like, really. I mean, you've got your blue rinse, you've got your grey rinse, you can have any colour to match your
4: barnet.
2: <laughs> now we're back on the Mexican airless again. <laughs>
4: What sort of dog would you recommend?
1: Well, we've got some new strains, what we bred ourselves. There's Cyril, he's half and half, you know. (laughs) Half King Charles Spaniel, half Fox Terrier. We call him a fox cocker.
2: (laughs) are you? You can have your Doberman Wolfhound, your wire haired Dalmatian. Then there's Queenie. She's a cross between a German sausage dog and a greyhound.
4: (laughs) Sort of grey sausage dog hound.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's right. She Mm. stands four foot high with her belly dragging on the ground. (laughs) I
4: mean, she may not look much, but she
1: done half (laughs) go. It's not exactly
4: what I had in mind. What about this little chap on the counter? He seems, seems very quiet and well behaved. A Yorkshire Terrier, isn't it? Oh, that's a mop! I thought he had a rather long tail.
2: Are you, are you absolutely set on a
4: dog? Not really, no. I just wanted, wanted something out of the ordinary. Well, well what about our twin
1: set? <laughs> Oh yeah, twin set would be nice, wouldn't it? Hamster and tortoise, marvelous for dealing with burglars. What? <laughs> hamster and a tortoise yeah. for dealing with burglars? Mm. How? Well, the burglar creeps in through the window. See, he sees the hamster sitting there wrinkling his nose, and looking all cute. So he gives a squeal of delight, and while he's bending down, going "goody goody goody coo, you creep up behind him and eat him with the tortoise. <laughs>
4: Well, in the end, I settled for something more exotic and unusual. I mean, it's not everybody in South Kensington goes walkies with an orangutan. <laughs> Very intelligent beast. I sent him out to get the newspapers, but unfortunately, I haven't seen him since. Or the papers. Or the newsagent, for that matter. <laughs> I offered a reward and circulated a description, but people keep bringing me Edward Braden.
2: Oh, him, great airy fool. LAUGHTER
4: Well, that brings us to the end of the show. The only thing left is to give you the results of our limerick competition. Now, the winning entry came from Mrs. H. Maddox of 15 Bucknell Crescent, Barclay Green, Birmingham, 32, and goes like this. A sailor from near Portland, Bill, married a mermaid named Lil. He said, though you're dishy, you smell rather fishy. I think you should take chlorophyll. (laughs) Nice. It's a clean one, anyhow, isn't it? (laughs) Now, this week's competition begins with the following two lines. An old onion peddler from Calais decided to take up the ballet. I'll repeat that. An old onion peddler from Calais decided to take up the ballet. And all you have to do is to complete the limerick. Answers, please, on a postcard to Round the Horn, care of the BBC, London, W1. And to the sender of the best-completed limerick goes this week's prize. An old Bessarabian nose flute, which anyone can play provided they've got an old Bessarabian nose. <laughs> Cheerio. See you next week.
0: That was Round the Horn, starring Kenneth Horn with Kenneth Williams, Hugh Paddock, Betty Marston and Bill Pertwee. On the musical side, you heard the Fraser Hayes Four and Edwin Braden and the Hornblowers. The script was written by Barry Tuck and Marty Feldman and produced by John Simmons.